tell me more about how his eyes look, Simon. It's almost <laughs> as if Simon enjoys being chastised by Baz or something. Like, is this how you describe your enemies? It's really not. Hot. Yeah, like, basically. <laughs> I feel like I just want to be, like, quote-unquote enemies for every time we bring up Baz. You want to get sexy? Yeah, let's get to the sexy stuff. Hello, and welcome to Escape from Reality, a podcast where three queer IRL witches read Carry On by Rainbow Rowell and talk about it. I'm Lark Malachi Gray. I'm Jesse Blount. And I'm Theo Jillian Forrester. We're so, yay! (laughs) We're so happy to have Theo on the mic and in your ears. Oh man, I'm so excited. I feel so fancy. For anybody who is not familiar with Theo from our podcast, The Gaily Prophet, Theo is the artist behind our logo for both podcasts and also makes comics to complement the episodes of The Gaily Prophet that are incredible. So yeah, this is really exciting. Tell us about you and your relationship with Carrie Oh man. Well, first off. Y'all are too kind. Uh, <laughs> secondly, okay, so Carry On. I feel like, Lark, you told me about Carry On when we met at camp. I believe what happened is that you were visiting or me. that. And I was like, you have to read this book. And you bought it. And then you just, like, hung out in my living room <laughs> and read the whole <laughs> <laughs> There we go. That sounds accurate. And something I would do. So, yes. Because... Uh, everything about that story is pretty great. I pretty much just have my Lark list that anything Lark is like, this is really neat. You need to check it out. I just will be like, okay, okay, okay. I feel really honored. Also, that's like super special to me as a person who like references the world through quotes from things that I am deeply invested in, but other people often don't know anything about to have someone who's like, I too will become deeply <laughs> invested in those things because I trust your taste in things. So thank you. So we're here. We're here. We've gathered here today to discuss chapters, mm, some chapters of Carry On, which Jesse will now recap for you after my brief reminder that we are spoiling, spoiling, spoiling through the end of this book, but nothing from Wayward Son. All right. <clears throat> So, in these four chapters, um, chapter 20, we are in Penny's point of view, and uh, her and Simon are practicing creating new spells, not successfully, and thinking about her mom, who successfully invented a spell that is still in rotation. Simon brings up that a few other boys at school have been missing, mostly from the old families, and Penny just kind of brushes it off. Chapter 21. The fucking mage is stealing people's shit, apparently. <laughs> um, because he is the worst. So we... But he's looking for something to quote-unquote fix Simon, which, if he was a not-shitty person... Anyway, he's trying to fix Simon and also uh, steal the old family's stuff, which... As it turns out, they don't like very much. And chapter 22, Simon is in a, in a low place right now. He is failing his classes. He took off his cross. He is not sleeping and looking 
for baths in even stranger places like the ramparts. So he's he's up on the walls that, uh, that surround Watford looking for baths and uh, not telling Penny a lot of these things. Penny, of course, sweet, sweet Penny is like, you know what? We should be planning for what's coming since this lull is clearly exactly that. Simon's not super into that idea and neither is Agatha. Chapter 23, back to Penny, where she has strong-armed both Simon and Agatha into Simon's room to, in fact, talk about and plan what the fuck is happening right now. She begins by listing off what they do know, which is the humdrum, who we find looks like Simon, is quiet. There's currently a war with the old fam that the mage is basically starting because they don't like it when he goes into their houses and libraries and takes their shit. And also that some of the old families seem to be uh, still taking their kids out of school. And of course, dear Baz, still missing. We come to find out from Penny's point of view that there is something interesting about Simon's magic, that it is kind of it's raw. Spicy. It's spicy. <laughs> it's so spicy. <laughs> Both raw and spicy. Um, though Penny has not in fact told him about how incompatible feeling his magic is feels to her and the last thing they know is that of course they made you still being a dick and agatha admits that she has heard from th- some things from her parents but won't divulge more exactly so a lot, a lot goes on in these chapters it's yes. a lot of so my notes are weirdly short considering so much happens that makes me feel better because <laughs> i was like am I, am I missing anything i don't know It'll be great. There's three of us, so I bet we can uh, we can definitely get some traction out of. I bet we can. So let's, <laughs> let's find out in our first segment, which is easy come, easy go, where we talk about everything that doesn't belong somewhere else. Mine's super short this week. I don't even have anything from the first chapter. My first easy come, easy go is just LOL pixie dust everywhere. <laughs> It made me blush. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I know the way that he says it. It's just like, ooh. You're like, Trixie, change your sheets. <laughs> yeah, that's gross. Like, you're pushing the beds together? Come on. Yeah, Come it's in courtesy. super weird. <laughs> if you're gonna at least, like, put, like, a blanket over top both of the beds so you can, like, clean it up. Yeah. My exact note is pixie dust everywhere, question mark, explanation, and then like a ah face, which <laughs> yeah. for those of you who can't see, emoji screen face. Which is also like exactly the face that I would imagine you making reading that. <laughs> I'm just so, so young and naive. <laughs> I don't know how you deal with, with our podcast. It's, it's uh, mostly just a lot of blushing. Yeah, so for folks who don't know, Theo also makes a bi-monthly, not-safe-for-work queer comic for for Patreon based on our podcast episodes, which is just, like, really funny because Theo is quite shy about these things. I've come a long way, Lark. (laughs) That's true. It's exposure therapy. (sighs) Whose idea was it to record on the last day of Mercury Retrograde? 
Is it actually is that is Mercury actually in retrograde? Yeah, it's been in retrograde. It's about to be out of retrograde. Uh, this is why time. everything's been terrible. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, all right. Anyway, Jesse, what's your take on pixie dust? Oh my god, it it just made me laugh because <laughs> it's just. <laughs> It's also like so gay. I think it's so gay that like when you have gay sex, you just leave glitter everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Right. And like we all know, glitter is the worst thing to clean out of anything. It's just always you're just gonna be glitter See, everywhere. There are two kinds of people: <laughs> people who are like, it's terrible. You can't get the glitter out, and people who are like, why are you trying? to get rid of the glitter it's glittery <laughs> i am solidly in the second camp um i just had to laugh about penny's the game is afoot not doing anything and her just being like but it's shakespeare and, and sherlock holmes what the fuck yeah and it just made me laugh because it's like this should work but it doesn't but i'm also like what would it do penny <laughs> Right? So many questions. Like, I was so intrigued by the idea of a catalyst spell because I feel like that opens up like a whole new realm of magic where it's like a, a precursor. A precursor. Sorry. <laughs> Get it? Cursed. <laughs> Uh, a spell that you cast before another spell to make the other spell like more powerful or something like that. I felt really excited about. Because mm-hmm. I'm a nerd. Yeah, it's like getting a some kind of a boost in a video game and like yeah (laughs) a power-up spell (laughs) i love that you made that pun there lark because when i was reading through that section i just kept thinking about how like they were talking about the metaphors and i was like oh man what a what a gay witch would do with a pun in that world oh it's true (laughs) it would be really good Mm -hmm. i'm like staring off into space thinking about the (laughs) The prospects. Uh, yeah. Um, Theo, what do you have? Okay, hopefully I have these things in proper categories. Um, I, I think it was the chapter 23. I was really um, just very nostalgic when Penelope was doing the whole see what I mean blackboard spell. It just gave me like Scooby vibes and like Giles operating a projector and drawing little this is what we know. <laughs> Let's gather our brains together and solve this issue. Oh, that's super accurate. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. I can just imagine Willow casting that spell and then everyone giving her, like, side eye for wasting magic. <laughs> it's like, we could have just used this chalkboard that's literally right here. <laughs> She's like, but chalk dries your hands out. Besides, <laughs> this is more sparkly. <laughs> yes, I imagined it in, like, neon glittering letters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just me being biased, but I'm like, I don't know. A whiteboard probably would have been more useful. <laughs> yeah, but they don't have a whiteboard in this circumstance. This is true. <sighs> okay, y'all, I'm so excited to say this. We got good exposition in this chapter. This scene, the what do we know scene, we learned so much important information. It's exposition that's built into the story flawlessly. I am a sucker for good exposition. It is annoyingly rare. And I was just like making heart eyes at my book. Like, thank you so much. Thank you so much for this. 
It was definitely a welcome relief from She Who Must Not Be Named and her exposition at the beginning of every book. What has been happening? Let's make this so awkward. <laughs> yeah, and also the fact that like this proves to us that like you can include relevant exposition 115 fucking pages into the book. Like you don't have to give it all to us in one chapter right at the at the jump. Like we can get it piecemeal as we go. Calm down. <laughs> and I mean honestly, I feel like I find it preferable to be to give my exposition piecemeal like throughout the book so it doesn't feel so forced. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like yeah, I want to be finding things out about the world as I'm submerged into it. So if it's like right at the middle of the book and it's like, oh, this thing, it's like, oh, shit. You know? Yeah, definitely. Whereas like when so. it's all in one giant chunk in like the beginning, you're like, oh, snore. I feel like I've already read this as I just literally did just read this. Stop. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I feel like this is sort of like a pitfall that I think writers, maybe because I only read like, YA and like sci-fi and fantasy but I feel like this is a pitfall I've seen of other like sci-fi and fantasy writers be like, let's just shove everything up in the first awkwardly in the first couple of chapters and I'm like no give it to me slowly <laughs> I know and I was just said that's what she said I was about to say that's what she said <laughs> Oh, wow. Like, Rufio is also saying that's what she said. I don't know if you can hear it. I feel like we're getting, we're getting to the sexy stuff too soon. Uh, uh, like we can get to the, like, us-related sexy stuff whenever the fuck we want. I, I, I mean, I did just, like, leave that door wide open, so. Anyway. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, Calm down, Jesse. I am, like, totally sober, by the way. Uh, Ooh, I'm not, so... <sighs> you know, I've got that that uh, pandemic situation where you are solidly out of food, but no one is ready to run an errand. That's where my house has been for the last two days, so I'm just, like, running on hunger and gin. <laughs> there could be worse things. And, and, and stress from endless moderation. It's a really cute space for me. Exposition, though... I also would like to say, I would like to invite all authors who feel that they need to sum up the previous books in their series for people who for some reason are like starting with book five. Like, what if you also just didn't and people reading it who were like, wait, I don't know the backstory of this, just went back and read the earlier books like you don't have to pander to those people. They can they dug their own grave. They can lie in it. <laughs> also, I'm like literally who does that? An excellent question. I don't know, but I'm also weird. I like can't even watch TV shows like in the middle. Like I have to start at season one, or else I'm like I'm not gonna know what's going on. The fuck, we want to do that for? So, um, we know that Simon is Simon spells don't often turn out very well. I just had to laugh about him using hair of the dog on his girlfriend and her becoming literally covered in dog hair. And just like, my dude, I feel like you, sh- I feel like you should have known better. <laughs> I feel like the hangover, just deal with the hangover. Like lay in your bed and eat some snacks and like whatever. Sounds much better. Yeah, or let Penny cast it for sure. Yeah. It does sound like he learned his lesson, though. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah. I also definitely laughed at that part. 
I mean, which isn't to say that, like, I wouldn't also love a spell to immediately get rid of a hangover, because the older I get, the worse they are. <laughs> yeah, it's because you're slowly dying. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Existence is a curse within itself. I was going to say in a twisted way, it, it did sort of work and cure all future hangovers if Agatha never drank again. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Although I feel like Agatha drinks with her normal friends in the summers. Where she knows she's not going to be somehow covered in dog hair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, I just like she pretty much hates Simon and Penny. So like she probably doesn't want to drink with them. She's like, you guys are not fun when you're sober. <laughs> you know, as much as I like Penny and Simon, I feel like that's probably correct. Yeah. She just like they don't they don't fit the three of them together like we would probably have fun with penny and simon but agatha's not gonna have fun with them definitely not yeah she's she wants to like i don't know drink whatever horse girls drink and like (laughs) go to a bar probably yeah or like do i don't know how to make this she wants she wants to do girl stuff um which like she explicitly says later in the book that's not me stereotyping Agatha. She's like, I just want to, like, hang out with my friends and have slumber parties and, like, paint nails and, like, when I hang out with Penny, she judges me for, like, giving my gingerbread people pink skirts. Fuck all of this. So, she just, she's not, she's not here for Penny's particular brand of friendship. I mean, yeah, and it's, like, it is shame to, like, shame Agatha because she wants to do, like, things that we associate with being femme totally no femme shaming yeah shame on femme shaming (laughs) (laughs) anyway anyway uh theo well i caught myself having to look up what black pudding was has anyone had this is this good I tried really hard to have it when I was in the UK, but by the time I decided that I needed to order it, I ran out of opportunities too, but I would definitely eat it. I mean, looking at it, I'm like, it doesn't look too appealing to me, but I don't know. Sausage is sausage, right? I don't know. Yeah. Even when it's made out of blood and oatmeal. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's good. I don't know. I mean, I've never had it. I'm not the kind of person who, like, is a particular fan of the Ophelia bits. Um, And I guess we can qualify blood kind of as in that sort of same vein. (laughs) Sorry. Yep, I totally said that (laughs) without realizing what I just said (laughs) until you started laughing. Oh, I'm crying. (laughs) Oh my god, so good at this. You made made me go through puberty, how dare you. (laughs) (sighs) That was an excellent pun. Gold star to you. I don't know if you've listened, Jesse, to the last episode that we put out, but it also was full of a ton of inadvertent fantastic puns. We are on a roll. Is there an award? Can someone, is there a pun award that you can give to us because we fucking deserve it? <laughs> uh, email us and we'll send you our P.O. Box number if you want to make us a thing. We should probably put that on the website anyway. Send us presents. We like gifts. I feel like, so 
I don't know why. I think I would like black pudding because I hate liver. And it is because it tastes really irony. And blood has to taste really irony, right? For sure. But they were saying, like, the spices and everything that they put in, it's kind of sweet and, like, savory and salty. And, like, the iron is only, like, a little bit of the aftertaste. But people also make a lot of claims about how you can make liver not taste like iron that involve a lot of those same things. And I have never found that to be true zero times. Okay, fair enough. You know, I've never really had pate, so I feel like I don't know. All right. This is my last one, which is just another mark in my book of um, how much I fucking love Penny. Because she she tells us that it's not her job to tell Simon and Agatha that she thinks they're not in love. And besides, she already tripped. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely on point for her. I yeah. love her so much. Yeah, Penny is such just a character of my heart. I also like, I think this one I also like specifically really identify with because I am a person who like has often wished that my friends would have talked to me about the red flags that they saw in my relationships before the breakup. And so as a strong proponent of like, treating other people the way you want to be treated i am like not afraid to tell people when i think that they should break up with their partners even though i think generally people consider that to be like taboo and so i just really appreciate that penny like decided to back down after like giving it a solid shot because she fucking loves her friends and she's like you deserve to know these things that i'm seeing so I mean, I feel like I feel like we should normalize that because one of my favorite things on Twitter is people who repost things from Reddit relationships and mm-hmm. Reddit, am I the asshole? And so many times it's like someone is like, should I bring up with my boyfriend? He like gave my dog away and like he just sits around and like games, you know, and he's like say any nice things to me and i'm just like but he's such a great guy and i'm like how people like it's just like it'll be like a laundry list of red flags and then they'll be like but i don't know should i and it's like how do you not see that this isn't normal that he destroyed your precious photos or does it like that you have you know the snake you've had for like 15 years and like this is something like these are all red flags mm-hmm um and yeah and it's like do you not know anyone who could talk to you besides randos on reddit and so i'm always just kind of like yes we should definitely normalize red flags and it doesn't have to be and it's not always you know oh him and his dad keep talking about how sad it would be if i died and it's like no i mean (laughs) these are all real examples pulling out such specific examples we're gonna have to include links in the show notes yeah these are all literally specific examples that I have read about. Anyway, uh, it can just it can be simple things that are like, yes, this is a red flag about emotional abuse, and you should just break up. You have not been dating that long. Or even, I mean, even like in this situation, just like, hey, friend, I don't know if you know this, but like, that's not what love feels like. You know, you're settling. I think is still like a kind conversation to have with someone of like, you could 
be happier than you are. Yeah. I mean, I think the caveat to that is please don't say those things if you are in some way jealous of your friend's partner or like have some kind of like you're single, everyone should be single sort of feelings because then that just gets messy. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I'm even just thinking of it from the perspective of I've been the friend who I have gotten the red flags talk and yeah, it's just one of those things. Like when you're the one looking, you know, like when you're the one in the situation, you can really explain anything away, can't you? But it's still nice to have those people so that like, it's still kind of embedded somewhere back in the deep, dark recesses. And eventually, hopefully it comes around and you get out of there, which thankfully happened for me (laughs) with my last relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Penny is a hero for trying, even though neither of Neither her friend just didn't didn't take her advice about what's going on. Yeah, I just I want to like agree with you, Jesse. Like, yes, normalize that because like, does anyone think that it feels good to like break up with someone who is really horrible to you and have all of your friends be like, yeah, I fucking hated that guy. Like, do you really think that that's a better thing to do than have been like, hey, buddy, I really hate that guy. You know? Yeah. Um. So that was my last front page. So from here on, it's you two. Uh, I actually don't have any more front pages. So I had one more. It was just a little, a little line or two that just made me smile um, when they were talking about worsters, which are worse than badgers. Yeah, I just so delightful. <laughs> They're so great. <laughs> We had some really great wordplay in there. I liked the w- worst jokes also. <laughs> um, but the uh, gnome noses with noses with a G in front of it so just good. slipped. Just, just, you know, just like, put, you know, just l- very delicately in, in the passage with the, the mages being the worst where I'm just like, oh, my God. <laughs> wow, I missed it. I missed it. I missed it. Read it to me. What is it? All right. Hold on a second. Let me pull up the book. So this is the first chapter of the, the first like few sentences of the mages chapter. Books, artifacts, enchanted jewelry, enchanted furniture, monkey's paws, rabbit legs, gnomes, noses. We take it all, even if I know it's useless to me. Oh my God. That's so good. I know. That's so funny. <laughs> I know. Uh, I feel like the moral of our podcast half the time is Lark reads too fast and misses great things. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I feel like it goes back and forth because I feel like sometimes you will, will like point out a thing that I don't notice, like a wordplay thing. So I feel like you know we both read too fast and we pick up each other's slack. There you go. Oh, we're such a good team. Don't <laughs> treat me. oh my god okay so speaking of that quote from the beginning of the mages chapter shall we go to face the truth sure can welcome to face the truth where we talk about things that are fucked up and magical politics which usually are one in the same i know we get both of that in this in these string of chapters yeah so, the mage is is just like flexing his power 
like he's half acidly looking for something to quote unquote fix Simon, which like jerk off motion. But he's mostly just being like, in case you forgot who's in charge, I'm in charge. Definitely. He's such a toddler. And like, the worst part is, is that normally I'm all for people taking rich people's stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, I can't even enjoy it because the mage is the fucking worst. <laughs> that was what I thought about too, was like, this just shows us that there's a right way and a wrong way to eat the rich. Yeah, exactly. Like if he was taking this shit and being like, you know what, we're putting it in the school where it's going to be of use to more people than just in your fucking house. But he's just putting it in that fucking garage behind in the corner of the school for like his teenage crew to like smoke cigarettes and just like ignore. I'm like, bro. I also feel like if we're taking things like physical things from people, it should be about redistributing like wealth and like creating equity. But he's like taking things that are like dark objects which to me feels very like book burning e yeah where he's just like creating ways to like control people that don't actually have any like basis in anything so i just feel like when you go after the wealthy the right way to do it is to like implement better like tax schemes and like generally like equalize wealth throughout the population and give things that have been like stolen from other cultures like back to the people that they belong to but like taking someone's books or like family heirlooms that presumably are not appropriated or like looted from other cultures like that to me feels gross yeah and like if he's if the mage is taking like monkey paws and gnome noses, which I just want to keep saying, it's like, you, are you just like raiding their kitchen? Like, this is just like things they have in their house to do whatever, you know, the fuck with. It's like you're just taking sh- pills out of their medicine cabinet. Like, for what? Mm-hmm. All in the name of just being like, who's the boss here? It's me. No one can do it better. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah. It's fucking gross. I think, too, I had issue with, like, when he was going on his little thing about, yeah, like what you mentioned, like, fixing Simon or, like, mending him and shaping power. I was just like, hey, shitty dad, why don't you just try, like, love and support instead of being an asshole all the time? Right. It's like, oh, something's wrong with Simon. It's like, oh, maybe because he's gone through a bunch of childhood trauma? Like, maybe you should help with that and not... Right, taking someone's armoire or whatever. Yeah, it also felt... I mean, we've talked about before the this thing where this, the mage can't tell the difference between, like, Simon as a person and, like, Simon as a source of power. And it's like, he doesn't want to fix Simon. Like, if he meant, I want to fix Simon, he would be like, I want to, like, get him a therapist and, like, some antidepressants and make him you know and i i think that wanting to help him like control his magic so that it doesn't feel like this like terrifying unpredictable force is a legitimate thing to want but the reason that he wants it is the wrong reason which 
could be the name of this podcast. <laughs> the mage wants the right things for the wrong reasons. He wants it for the wrong reasons, and he's going about it in the wrong way. Exactly. If he was a good person with empathy, he would want to, I don't know, heal Simon. And the fact that he describes Simon in this chapter as fundamentally flawed, cracked, and broken is fucked up. Super. Like, that's not how you talk about people. That's how you talk about porcelain or something. Simon isn't a mug. He's a, or, he's a person. for instance, political systems. <laughs> <laughs> Simon isn't the police department. He's a person. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> oh, man. Jesse, I think it's your turn. Um, mostly a rant about the mage is all I have, but we should definitely talk more about whatever y'all have for politics. Yeah. Well, I was kind of really hung up on like Agatha and like just her little it's just politics kind of thing. Mm. Um, just being so problematic and privileged in her way. Um, even like how she talks about like yeah, it's just the power. They're arguing of it. They're bitch and moan and cut deals and throw parties. Like, it's nothing personal, Simon. But it's like, it is. It's personal to a lot of people who aren't you. Yeah. That that whole section of, like, her, her bringing that and, like, Simon's insistence that it's about, like, right and wrong. And the fact that in a lot of ways, like, I agree with simon except like he's saying that sort of as a way of like parroting the mage who also believes it's about right and wrong but who is going about doing something about that in such a fucked up way like i don't know i we're probably never gonna get through an episode without me being like this book is so good (laughs) like look at all this nuance look at it it's just like so fucking nuanced and it makes me so happy yes for sure and I, f- I think that, right, for most of it, Simon is basically parenting the mage. But as it is, I feel like, always particularly relevant, Simon's like, it's not just politics, it's our lives. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. Some of us aren't from old rich families, Agatha. Like, politics is like, do we, do we have a right to exist? Okay, thanks. Yep. So... <laughs> Super, super sensitive subject right now. I know. For anyone who hasn't been following what's happening with our social media. (laughs) (sighs) Hopefully by the time this airs, this won't be (laughs) as much of an issue. Uh, But anyway, but I think this is actually like, you know, in a lot of ways, a like really good conversation because... And I'm sorry, I'm about to say something that I'm like, I guess in my mind, I'm like, so, I mean, like Penny comes from like, and not like a quote, like a capital letters old family, but like, she comes from like this hella powerful family and she's not like, you know, being like, oh, it's just politics. It's like, no, we really need to tackle what the fuck is going on and how to like move forward. Yeah. Just like Agatha kind of like dragging her feet with it is frustrating, but it's also like incredibly real. I, and I... I feel like that has to have something to do with the fact that Penny is a person of color. 
Oh, yeah, definitely. Even though fantasy and historical fiction want you to believe that they're that the UK has always been really white, that is definitely not the case. So, yeah, and especially since, you know, India was colonized by the UK, I'm sure there's a lot of weird magical stuff in there too that we don't really get in this book in general, but you're right, Lark is definitely a a factor at work. Yeah, I think that, like, Penny's parents are both, like, well-established magical families but like her dad is a historically like low-powered magician family and i think or at least he's a low-powered magician and so at the very least like he has reason to question sort of the status quo and like her mom is indian so like they would absolutely both be coming at sort of thinking about this world from a totally different place from fucking Agatha, who's just like, of course they're not raiding my house. My father's on the coven. Yeah, Agatha is just such a waspy character. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I just keep going back to the horses. I'm just like... And I mean, not to say that, like, everyone who has horses and rides horses is, like, super class class privilege, but, like... Like, Agatha's character and her kind of being like, oh, it's just politics, whatever, is, like, a very certain type of white lady. (laughs) Like, let's be real. Totally. Yes. And I I feel like this sort of a fundamental difference on politically really should have been the time that that Agatha and Simon would have broken up. But especially since they've been basically ignoring one another. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my God. Their relationship is a mess right now. It's like... Wait, but let's talk about that in Cotton the Landslide. Yes, good point. Okay, so my last face the truth point is that Penny, in what seems to be a throwaway line, makes an incredibly valid point that Simon and Agatha might be having trouble sleeping and like depression because they have PTSD and things are calm, which is a real thing when like you stop being in a state of chronic stress and you have especially complex PTSD your brain like goes off the fucking rails because you're like what is this and your anxiety will get worse because your adrenaline like adrenaline that's used to just being there doesn't have anything to like actually be there for I did not know that (laughs) the more you know Theo, the therapist, chime in. <laughs> no, I, I definitely, that was something I had to in my in my notes, so I'm good for saying that. And yeah, that's totally legit. Ugh. If only there were some therapists in this world. <laughs> but there, there could be therapists in this world, though. There are three. <laughs> <laughs> for the record, there are three. We learned that at the end of the book. Mm. I mean, three is better than none. It sure is. And, yeah, I mean, Simon's been through some shit. Like, holy Christ. I feel like being in the foster care system alone, you know? Yeah, separate from, like, the attacks and, like, having this, like, uncontrollable force inside of his body and all of that. Like, Simon has has reasons coming at him from all sides to have terrible PTSD. Yeah. I just want to, like gift everyone in these kind of stories like the book the body keeps the score and be like please read up 
actually on my reading list, I feel like. Mine too. <laughs> <laughs> In case you're a wonder. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> so let's move on to... Caught in a landslide where we rant about stuff. Uh, my whole rant is about Simon and Agatha's relationship. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, first of all, that feeling that Agatha is experiencing of wanting, not wanting Simon to come home with her, but wanting Simon to want to come home with her. Who <laughs> boy. I was like, oh, Agatha, I understand exactly how you're feeling. That is a terrible way to feel. Uh, I also felt really strongly for Simon in that because that's a terrible situation to be in. Like, oh my god. We lost Jesse. Oh, damn. Are you back? I am. Hello. Yay! 20 hours later. Alright. I don't know where we were when that happened we so. were ranting about Agatha and Simon oh we were that's true we were talking about Agatha wanting Simon to want to come home with her but not actually wanting him to come home with her oh yeah which is a very relatable feeling um it sure is <laughs> sure 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 is it's also so much like my dude even the way you say it but she wants me to want to or something like come on buddy (laughs) open your eyes this just isn't working right like it's okay to break up go ahead yes yes but you guys change his heart and and baz hasn't returned and he spent so much time looking for him it's true What else about this, about this relationship? It's just, it's just like, it's just like Simon barely pays attention to Agatha. Like he asked her point blank in chapter 23. He's like, oh, you look tired, which is like, A, like probably not the best way to phrase that. And B, it's like, she's probably been exhausted and stressed out this entire time. And you're just now noticing it. Like you should kind of. You know, be aware of your partner's feelings, Simon. That's a oh, it, that's usually a good sign. Not maybe not a good. I mean, it's not a good sign, but a thing that is good to have in relationships, which is noticing the other people and acknowledging other people's feelings. Yeah. Well, and he gets like a minor half point for being like, "Oh man, I should have noticed this sooner." Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like too with their relationship i always just keep thinking about like from penny's perspective like how agatha always just seems to be like there's something going on between you two (laughs) and it's like it's been years no there's not (laughs) you should trust your relationship a little better (laughs) i mean but i feel that but i feel that might stem from that like maybe Simon just feels more comfortable with Penny than he does with Agatha. Like, they do a lot of, like, because Penny and Simon do a lot of, like, casual touching and a lot of just kind of, like, feeling really comfortable around one another, even if Simon's magic is, like, Penny's just like, this is too, this is too much. And I just feel like that should have been, Agatha's jealousy is not 
the good sign, but I think the sign that like there isn't kind of like the same casual intimacy. Yeah, of that's true. Simon and Agatha's relationship, and that Agatha knows this, but is projecting it onto Penny, even though Penny's like, I have a boyfriend, I don't think of Simon that way. And I, I think that you totally can be jealous of a relationship that your partner has in a way that's not, I think you're gonna like cheat on me with that person. Like imagining myself in a in a relationship like the one that Agatha is in I would totally be jealous of my partner's, like, friends that they spent significantly more, like, time and were significantly more emotionally open with and not in a, like, I think you're going to, like, make out with that person way, but in a, like, I want that with you and they have it way. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's real. That's so real. It's <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, we get we get a lot of very real relationship stuff in here and sort of just like interpersonal stuff this line where agatha smiles with the bottom half of her face yes (laughs) that's a tough place to be it is (laughs) the writing here is so good because on the surface agatha is a pretty and a rich white girl and kind of there's a lot of tropes that go along with this but it's really great because you see this in this like in this chapter where it's like Agatha is incredibly sad and having a lot of just trying to figure out what is going on in her world right now which is kind of a lot Mm -hmm. her boyfriend has like pulled away as much as she wants to deny what's happening, they are in a, like, political struggle that, again, Simon is also at the epicenter of. And, yes, on top of, you know, her PTSD trauma from also being, you know, involved in all of this child-soldiering, battling dark creatures kind of deal. And I feel feel bad for her. Totally. I feel like Agatha is here to demonstrate that everything's relative that you know truth of the world you know i saw i don't know probably a tumblr post where it was like if you drowned in three feet of water and someone else drowned in 10 feet of water you're both dead stop trying to compare traumas like one is less than another and i feel like that's what sort of the foil that that or the purpose that Agatha serves here is to be like trauma is trauma like Agatha is struggling even with all of her wealth and privilege and her struggles are legitimate and she's a sympathetic character even even while also being very much an unsympathetic character yeah which is such a good character to have in a YA book because I have definitely in my journeys of therapists and counselors have met counselors who didn't quite say it but were kind of like okay these are your issues why are you here again kind of deal and it's like okay cool but these are issues that i have and want to take care of you know like yeah fuck those people (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, okay, for the record, it was like, it was like through a community mental health service. So they're seeing a lot of people who are without homes, who have addiction issues, were in very tough places in their life. And I was just like, I have a job and a home and I'm just really sad. Like, can you help me? And so part of you is kind of like, now I can be like, I get where you're coming from that was still really shitty. And you should have made me feel that way. Uh, which is why we need to really work on our community mental health system anyway. But I'm in community mental health and I, I definitely can see that like, yeah, a lot of my clients do struggle with quite a bit, but I'm like so sorry that you still had people that made, I don't know, almost made it seem like, yeah, that your struggles weren't valid or not as valid as all these other things happening over here. I mean, I feel like the issue is the idea of someone not recognizing that someone who like has a job and home and is like objectively significantly more stable than a lot of your other clients can still have to access your particular resources because like people don't have health insurance (laughs) or like get paid enough to like pay for out-of-pocket therapy even if they're employed so like yeah i can totally understand that but at the same time like the issue is the system and like everyone needs therapy and also trauma looks a lot of different ways yes and so this is why i'm glad this is in the book so like if there are kids who are like I'm like middle class. I'm like upper middle class. Like, what do I have to be sad about? And it's like, like, you're still like sad or like struggling with like mental health issues or struggling with something. It doesn't mean that like, you should just ignore it because you're not like, you know, whatever, feeling whatever people, you know, think about what they consider like less fortunate folks than them. Right. Much like rights, trauma is not pie. (laughs) (laughs) No, it is not. (laughs) There is enough trauma for all of us. (laughs) There sure sure is. Yeah. Trauma trauma all around. Welcome to the LOL sob section of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I just had had a vision of Oprah. You get a trauma. (laughs) Look under your chairs. It's trauma. No, under your chair, it's just the PTSD that sneaks out when you least suspect it. <laughs> oh. oh, no. <laughs> what a good podcast. We're good at making podcasts. So yeah, more more of the story. Don't let your privilege uh, prevent you from getting therapy that you need. Here, here. Especially because getting therapy might help you like acknowledge and work through the shit that your privilege like puts up blocks about understanding for other people. Exactly. So what else? I feel like my only other rant that I had was just back to the mage and him saying my Simon just made me uncomfortable. For good reason. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's not yours, the mage. Except like, also he is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but also, yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, you know, just because he is Simon's sperm donor does not mean <laughs> that, <laughs> that Simon is interested. Exactly. It's like you have work to do before you get to, like, lay that claim, kind of. Oh, for sure. <laughs> like, yeah. it could be great for you to think of him that way, potentially, if you would, like, step into that role. But you don't get to... You can't have both. Uh, it yeah, is sure. pie. <laughs> In this case, yes. <laughs> Simon is the most perfect chocolate cream pie ever <laughs> and the mage does not can lay off can lay off yep uh so i wanted to know what you folks feel about this whole thing where agatha calls simon a normal and says that he shouldn't be at watford i just wrote whoa in my book yeah that was like tell us how you really feel agatha for sure Ugh. And especially since it comes right off the heels where, like, Simon's like, uh, this isn't just politics, this is my life. And she's like, how do you know? You don't belong here. And it's like, whoa. Yeah. Hello, hello, microaggression that's fucked up. And then he's like, I was prophesized and all of our hearts were like. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And just the way that, like, Penny describes it is so, like, pathetically defensive. You can just imagine it being like. I was prophesized. I know. And it's like, yeah. Simon. Yeah, you can just like feel the the hurt and the like that particular kind of defensiveness and like how terrible it feels where you're like trying to defend it to your own self because someone else has verbalized a thing that like you have doubts about. Which is maybe also a sign that y'all shouldn't be in a relationship if Agatha's this isn't the first time that Agatha has had this thought. It's just the, maybe the first time that she has verbalized it to Simon. Mm-hmm. So kind of, kind of a big deal that you don't think that your boyfriend belongs in the world of magicians. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, he's maybe not... Simon, just because Simon has challenges with his magic doesn't mean that he doesn't belong at this fucking school and in this fucking world. Totally. I'm also curious, like... Like, when Agatha, like, just points out how there had never been a normal at Watford, and, like, Penelope is all like, I wonder who she's parroting. Like, she's right, but who is she? Where is she recycling this from? Her family? Hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely, like, her Definitely, her family must be saying this behind closed doors. Or... I think probably her mom, specifically, just from, like, later information that we get about her family. Because her her mom and her dad are, like, such a quintessential, like, wealthy couple, I feel like. Where they, like, don't really have a lot in common and they don't really hold a lot of the same beliefs. But, like, her dad just sort of, like, goes along with it. But he, like, the reason Simon and Agatha are together is because her dad invited Simon to come spend holidays at their house, like, starting in his first year. And he's, like really sweet and kind to Simon, whereas, like, Agatha's mom is very, like, power-hungry and, like, snooty, you know, wealthy white lady So I feel like she would have a lot more of an agenda to have judgments about Simon. Yeah, I'm just imagining it's like, how dare you bring this street rat into my home? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) 
You were born a street rat. You'll die a street rat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Simon up in his tower. Oh, oh my God. That totally makes Baz his princess, by the way. It really does. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Simon needs a familiar. (laughs) Yes. What would it be? That's the question, isn't it? I feel like Simon needs a dog. That's what I was about to say, too. <laughs> like a very floppy, goofy dog. He needs a Rufio. Mm-hmm. But with less anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> Simon has enough of that for the both of them. Look, I have enough of that for the both of me and Rufio. <laughs> we still get on. <laughs> Simon adopt a dog 2020. Oh my god, yes. We need to like do a fundraiser to adopt Simon the Rescue Pitbull. Oh my god. <laughs> Rufy yes. was like, are you talking about me? I'm gonna come in here. <laughs> and we're and it's like actually yes, we are talking about you. <laughs> you want some cuddle? You're on the wrong side of the microphone. <laughs> um, okay, shall shall we go to the next section? Yeah. Welcome to Send Shivers Down My Spine, where we talk about sexy stuff. Theo, will you please kick us off? Okay, so one of the things that just caught my little my little eyes when I was reading was when they were talking about some of the boys that had like been missing, and one of the ones was Baz's cousin, Marcus, and I just love that like his descriptor for Penelope, who had no idea who it was, was just like fit blonde streaks midfielder like how much time have you been on the soccer pitch there simon yeah that's an excellent (laughs) question (laughs) yeah that's very true we also get this piece from from penny where she says that talking to simon about baz is like talking to the mad hatter about tea oh which I thought was great. It certainly was. And then I fell down like a rabbit hole, which, yeah, pun intended there. <laughs> <laughs> of like researching, like, why did they say that? I don't quite remember. And I was like, oh, yes, mercury poisoning from, yep. the, from the hats. <laughs> That's right. And I was like, yes, he is irritable and <laughs> has that insomnia. He's on his way. <laughs> I'm just imagining, like, how many hours Penny has sat through about Simon going on about Baz, or she's just, like, looking at her watch and just kind of, like, flipping through a book and, like, "Uh uh-huh, yep, you're right, don't, still don't know where he is. That's right, Simon. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Uh, Uh, What else, Theo? Um, I think I got, like, I don't know, a little visual in my mind, too, whenever, uh, Simon talks about like how he was just gonna go haunt the ramparts looking for for Baz, even though he probably wasn't there. I just was like, oh, it's like Catherine and Heathcliff just wandering the moors. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah. Like... Well, yeah. Whatever turn that is for that is like yeah, very, uh, very angsty romance hero. Oh, for sure. <laughs> He's got it bad. <laughs> The fact that Simon self-describes it as haunting the ramparts, I feel like, tells us so much. For sure. Yes. 
I think too similarly, like when he takes off his little cross ne- necklace and he's like, "Oh, it's you know my neck feels nice and light, but my head is full of stones." Oh, like poor poor guy. He <laughs> <laughs> uh, just he's just really leaning into the tra- the tragic, the tragic hero. Yes, that longing is so palpable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, really, all this needs is for him to like write in his journal about his lost love, which he would never say about Baz at this point, but it's like, <laughs> dude. He's checking so many of the boxes. <laughs> it's just literally every box is of the name. When he goes that. back and reads through his journal when he's like, you know, 25, he's going to be like, whoa, how <laughs> did I? <laughs> he's Yeah, he's going to cringe all the way. Just... He's just every page is just gonna be like, how did I not know I was in love with you? Simon <laughs> it's just is page like after page. So lucky that he can't use free open diary at Watford. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. As, as we all shudder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <sighs> all right all right i'm that's all i only had the one shivers do you have any other ones Thea? no i don't okay all right welcome to is this just fantasy where we talk about magic and science and magical science i finally got the the clip for what this section is about everyone be proud of me I'm waiting. I am proud of you. Thank you. Me too, me too. It's it's very exciting. Also because this is, maybe besides the sexy stuff, my other favorite section that we talk about. <laughs> and this is a rich one. We have so many spells in this chapter. We yes. get so much about magic mm-hmm. and spells and all of those things. I personally think that Simon should not give up on it is what it is, because that seems like the most legit science spell that has ever existed. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, what would it do? It reduces a thing to its molecular makeup. Mm. You need to, like, produce fucking hydrogen for power without having, like, a whatever the fuck. Use this spell. Like, this is the most fucking useful spell. I think this is an incredible spell. That is true. It would definitely solve our oceans full of plastic. It would just reduce the plastics to microplastics, wouldn't it? Probably. Yeah, those aren't great for the ocean either. No, they're really bad for the ocean. (laughs) Alright, yes. Anyway, so much rich magic. Can I start off though? Yeah, I figured we would just like go through the spells. Oh, no, no, you're right. We should, I was gonna talk about more of the theoretical stuff, but we should definitely go through the spells. I do have a thing about the first spell that we, uh, I mean, after it is what it is. So Penny's mom, uh, she mentions created a useful battle spell. That is the ladies not for turning, mm-hmm. which I definitely had to Google because I'm like, the fuck did that come from? Me too. Uh, it comes from a Margaret Thatcher speech who is, a well-known, super tough, and very conservative lady. Maybe it makes you impervious to stuff. Who knows? Yeah, I even after reading about it, I'm not sure if I get what it does in battle. Is it a shield charm? Probably. 
Yeah, I was drawing a blank on that as well. <laughs> I guess it's either like a shield charm or maybe just something where like you can maybe cast it on yourself or maybe it like prevents the other person from like getting the upper hand in a battle. Mm. But he says that it's taught in the mages of offense workshop so mm. yeah it's something that like mom would be not, like embarrassed about or something well just because she hates the mage uh, yeah. I think yes, she's, yes. yeah that's true that's true right so shield charm would be in a defense class so what does this do maybe it just blasts people away I don't know yeah I feel like in a like Hamilton style musical about Margaret Thatcher in the freestyle battle where this line was used, it would get a like, oh. <laughs> so that makes sense that it blasts people away. Please, no one make a Hamilton style musical <laughs> about Margaret Thatcher. Yeah, no, Margaret Thatcher is not great, but I would watch a Hamilton style musical about actual rad ladies. So Yeah. And not conservative ones who want to, you don't care about the people. Right. Not the people who were the model for Dolores Umbridge. Yeah. Oh. oh the terrible irony um <laughs> so we already talked about hair of the dog we talked about the game is on we a little bit talked about see what i mean but we have that and clear the air which are both very cool spells i just really like them Mm-hmm. yeah that would they would both be useful spells if you're like somewhere or in a situation where you like need to like i mean it's basically just like a magical it could be like a magical text message essentially but I guess everyone could read it, so to me that's not great. That's true. Yeah, they seem a little bit like novelty spells, but I think that I'm really into novelty spells. Because they're just so purposeful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, I'm doing this because I can. Uh, so, Penny talks about a little bit in the beginning, the first chapter we read of this spat of chapters, about what makes good spells like a good spell if you're creating them new Mm -hmm. and she mentions that like catchphrases and um songs are dicey which i actually have to disagree about the song things just because there are songs that have existed for like over 100 years that people still sing so i feel like those folk songs and stuff have endured and i feel like there would definitely be power in that Mm mm-hmm but I also just want to posit to both of you if memes would be, a, be, would be good for spells or not. So I also kind of disagreed with Penny in this. And I, I feel like the... Because her, her claim is basically like a spell is only useful if it's long lasting. And maybe it's because we just read trans wizard harriet porber (laughs) we're thinking about like hit spells but i feel like a short-term spell is still a spell Mm. and like why the fuck not right Right. why not make spells out of like vines and like tumblr posts and memes and like songs that are popular for like a year and a half and then like fade because like that just like it's it's fun and like i don't know i feel like probably teens that are not caught up in saving the world are constantly crafting spells out of like pop culture things that like have a limited lifespan but like why would you not do that right because i definitely 
like grabs onto that catchphrase part and I was like, oh man, what are some really out of date catchphrases that would have been really interesting to have used? Ooh. <laughs> Did you come up with any? Well, I, I posited this question to my partner and she, the first one she thought of was one that her sister used to say back in the 80s that was like, gag me with a spoon. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what that would do. But then it got me like thinking about like things like talk to the hand because the face isn't listening or doesn't oh understand. Or, you know, <laughs> just like all those little blurbs from TV shows that we were grown on, like Turtle Time and... <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I immediately went to uh, Bart's famous catchphrase, don't have a cow. I mean, I don't know how useful these things would be, but they would be fun. Yeah, like maybe they just do fun, silly things. Like that's also valuable. Totally. You know? I've been working on a uh, a social media post where I'm going through like the top 100 songs for every year from the 90s onward and like thinking of a line from various songs that would definitely have been a spell. Assuming that if I, someone who's extremely not tuned in to the world of pop culture, still know the words to the song, then the song has enough staying power to have become a spell. Right. And there's like tons of songs like that. And sometimes songs are like, right, they're a one hit wonder and then somehow come back into the popular vernacular. Yeah. And it's like, or things that are like never really went away. Like if you had a spell based on a Spice Girl song, I think it would still work. Totally. Yeah. A lot of the ones that I've uh, thought of, or not a lot, at least some of them that I've thought of would definitely be illegal. For instance, <laughs> It Wasn't Me as a memory spell. Don't do that. But it would definitely <laughs> no, be no. a spell. Oh my god, that's a good point. Oh man, now I gotta, man, I gotta start keeping a list of phrases that I feel like would be magical spells. Yeah, if you want to help me with this endeavor, I was like, you know how the thing is where like the the millennium serves as like a a memory interrupter or whatever in in our lives, and so like. I'm like, yeah, 1990 was 20 years ago, and also the new millennium was 20 years ago. And then I was like, this is 30 years of songs that I've committed to doing to myself. That's a lot of work. Yeah, so. you should. Yeah, we should talk about that so we can maybe break that up a bit for you. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. So, um, yeah. But also, I just wanted to say one that I was like really excited about, which was a spell that you can cast, like a sex spell, a consensual sex spell. Uh, when I move, you move for like <laughs> increasing sexual compatibility. Right? So good. So good. <laughs> now, for these spells to work, if they're coming from a song, do you have to sing it? I don't think so, but I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> what if that was like because it had to be oh my god what if to make that spell work to prove that it was consensual you both had to cast and the first person had to do when i move you move and then the second person had to follow with just like that <laughs> oh my god <laughs> yes. oh, it's so good. So, oh my god i'm so into it sorry i'm not just trying to think of like what consensual sex magic would come from uh, Prince songs? Yep, great question. <laughs> Do you just text me any that you think of? Because I'm on my way to meme town. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
where even are we? Uh, we're t- uh yeah, I, I, we're talking about spells. I think it's Theo's turn. <laughs> I don't know that I have any more. <laughs> okay. I think I'm probably good too. Jesse, do you have anything else? Uh, so a couple things. I do want to mention, speaking of memes, that uh, one of our listeners created an, an excellent comic <laughs> using the meme what is it a little salami as a treat yes oh my god it's so good and it's also like yeah that yes i also would like this to be a spell because i always want a charcuterie (laughs) 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 see so much missed opportunity if you don't fucking make spells from memes and also like, think about how many fucking Vines are still, like, relevant pop culture things, even though Vine has been gone for, like, a very long time now. Yeah. Like, a little salami as a treat has staying power. It's gonna be around. Exactly. Also, I still don't know the, the origins of that meme, but it makes me laugh still. It's very easy to find. I know. Simply visit knowyourmeme.com. <laughs> <laughs> like I do with all memes because I am old. <laughs> oh, I did. If you just want to talk a little bit, just a smidge bit about. Uh, so Penny talks about Simon's magic and how when he arrived at school, all the other magicians could like feel his magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, which she describes as a magical firmament. Is that how, firmament? I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think I think that's what it is. And yeah, there's a, definitely a lot of uh, electricity descriptions about how Simon's magic feels whenever he's performing magic and you're nearby as a as a magician. Mm-hmm. And it just even about how like the the magic of it, Simon's like magic, kind of seducing other people, which. Makes me wonder also a little bit about, like, the mage. I mean, the mage's whole vibe is fucking the worst anyway. But if maybe that's also part of, like, the mage's deal. And, like, the, even the fact that the idea of, like, Penny's like, oh, I don't think that Agatha and Simon's magic is compatible. Which, I think it should be a very clear sign that maybe you shouldn't date. Like, if someone, if you're a magician and someone's doing magic and you're, like, in a relationship with them and it's, like, uncomfortable physically when they do magic. I agree with you. Because even Penny was like, she kind of has to like remind herself to like lean in and still be close to him, even though it's uncomfortable for her to just so he doesn't like feel bad, which mm-hmm. is true. But yeah, I mean, he totally would feel bad. And Simon's self-esteem does not need any more hits. No. I just want to bring bring that up that we get a lot of uh, world building. And I just really like the physicality of like how encompassing the magic is. Like it has like a feeling and like... A smell? Did I make that up? Did we talk about that? No, it has a smell. Or it different smell. people's magic has different smells, yeah. Yeah, it has a smell and like a feeling and just like, it's just very all-encompassing in a way that I really appreciate because it kind of, it grounds it in feeling very real. Yeah, it's like they're all tapped into like a shared power source and like when Simon like came online, he caused like a magical brownout and everyone was like, what was that? I'm going to say like in the Matrix, even though it's not how the Matrix films go at all. <laughs> But, like, it's kind of like they're in a a matrix of sorts. Yeah. Which also seems like it would... Also frustrating that they're still, like, fighting each other. It's like they're literally all connected. Uh, What? I mean... 
also and like not not in like the woo woo like we're all connected as living beings kind of way but like again yeah like soon to be sharing some kind of like not like communal but like a shared like power source almost yeah totally i feel like but i think that's like also what makes it feel really real you know yeah it's like of course you're doing that (laughs) terrible privileged people are gonna be terrible privileged people this is true and as we see in the maid trying to enact that privilege for yourself even if you have good intentions is still not great yep it's almost as if it's structural or something huh (laughs) it's almost as if if you want to overthrow terrible power systems (laughs) you can't do it by just reenacting the same thing and in fact need to do something completely different (laughs) that distributes the power among the people yeah yeah Sorry, wait, now I'm just thinking about, like, political slogans and, like, ch- like protest chants that are spells. And Ooh. I'm like, because clearly? Yeah. Because I was about to be like, oh, yeah, you know, the master's tools will never dismantle the master's house. Which is, I think, not the correct, the exact quote. But, like, a lot of people have heard that. And I'm like, that'd be a killer spell. <laughs> yeah, it would. I like that this section often just devolves into both of us, like, in our heads, just being like, ooh, what about that? And then I have, like, 20 minutes of silence to edit out of the episode as we just, like, daydream about different spells. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, this is so the part that I enjoy listening to on the podcast, because I'm like, yeah, that, wow. Oh, that's good. It is. That makes me feel good. (laughs) (laughs) We don't get yeah. a lot of listener feedback about this podcast yet because it's still just a little baby. Mm-hmm. All right, let's wrap up. I need to eat tacos and then we need to record a Patreon thing. Okay, yeah. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Escape from Reality. Next time, we will be reading chapters 24, 25, and 26. So read along. Thank you again, Theo, for joining us. Can you please tell people where to find you on the internet? Sure. Um, thanks for having me. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at, at Theo Julian Forrester. And that's pretty much it because I'm just, I'm a little baby on the internet and, and don't do very well with it. <laughs> you can also find oh. you at thegailyprofit.com slash comics. <laughs> that's true. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You can find The Gaily Prophet and, I mean, you can find Escape from Reality and our other podcast, The Gaily Prophet, on the internet generally at thegailyprophet.com and at The Gaily Prophet on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We're The Gaily Prophet Podcast on Tumblr. You can also leave us a, a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or the other podcatcher of your choice, like uh, SME did. So be cool. Be like SME. Leave us a review. Make us happy. And we, we read every single one of them, and it always makes our day because our anxiety tells us to only trust outside validation. So please. <laughs> Be generous. (laughs) 
Truly. What are other ways <laughs> that people can generously make us have uh, good feelings, Jesse? You can subscribe to our Patreon and uh, financially support this here podcast and our other podcast, The Gaily Prophet. That helps us tremendously. <laughs> you want to give a URL? Yep, I sure do. Uh, you could... <laughs> Uh, you can find out more about our Patreon at patreon.com slash thegaylyprophet. Uh, if you want to follow me on the internet, you can do that on Instagram at Instagram, no, at, by following at Lark Malachi. <laughs> what the hell? Uh, which is L-A-R-K-M-A-L-A-K-A-I. Uh, you can also, uh check me out on my website which is larkmalachi.com um you can always follow me on twitter at jesse underscore detroit or on instagram at live from detroit and our show art is by theo julian forrester our theme song is by kevin mcleod and theo are you ready to scottamoosh with us yes great until next time. Scatamoosh! Scatamoosh. <laughs>